0: Welcome to the podcast of the Ministry of Motion Pictures, where we seek to inspire Christian filmmakers, ignite a Christian film movement, and impact the new media landscape. I'm writer and director Todd Schaefer, and your host. You may not know his name, but this writer, director, and producer has made more faith films than the Kendricks and Irwin brothers. His name is Chris Dowling, and he's been at this for nearly two decades. As a screenwriter, he not only writes for himself, he writes for the biggest names in the faith-based film industry. He's best known for his work on Blue Miracle, Where Hope Grows, Run the Race, and the unscripted series Repo Games. And by the way, that last one is not a faith-based production. And he's directed A-list actors such as Jason Alexander and Patrick Warburton. Chris also teaches screenwriting at the newly formed online school for Christian filmmakers called Aspire Circles. And I just enrolled my son in his class this fall. In this episode, Chris talks about his lengthy career in the faith-based film industry and offers a lot of nuggets of helpful wisdom. This is episode 47. Well, Chris, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, buddy.
0: You have quite an extensive background in uh, Christian or inspirational filmmaking. You started with a feature film called Rock Slide, which was sort of a film noir uh, spoof uh with uh patrick warburton and jason alexander and that was your feature debut
1: that was a, a wild cast to come together on a little hundred thousand dollar movie i was very uh very fortunate it's uh yeah it was a crazy <laughs> crazy cast that went everywhere from you know we had warburton alexander we had um brian bosworth was in there um, even jerry cantrell from alice and chains tom bergeron the host of dancing with the stars um Elaine Hendricks, Andy Dick played the bad guy. I mean, it was like, I, honestly, that was a funny one because it was my first movie and I was like, just kind of thrown in with like all these working actors, you know, and and it just, it was really cool, man. It was definitely a trial by fire, but um, it was it was an awesome <laughs> first experience.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about that. Um, then you went to Repo Games, doing a reality TV sh- series that you created and produced. Then you jumped into back into Christian filmmaking with Where Hope Grows. And you had a lead, David DeSanctis, who has Down syndrome. You did Asperger's or Us, a documentary. You produced that. And then you went on to Priceless with the Small Bone Brothers. Uh, Run the Race, you wrote and directed, uh, which was co-produced with Tim Tebow. Then you went to The Man from Nowhere, which was directed by Matt Green at uh, the Masters University. Most recently, you, uh, you wrote blue miracle directed by julio quintana at with it was acted by dennis quaid and uh you're in post-production with a film called roll with it um which uh michael w smith i hear is is in
1: he plays a redneck trucker singing Freebird so <laughs> <laughs> totally typecast totally typecast
0: I, I i can't wait to see him singing Freebird. that'll be funny so you've got quite a, an extensive uh, amount of experience in the Christian film genre. So you're, you're sort of an expert. And like you said, you're, you're a grandfather, a salty old grandpa in this now, right?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a, it's a jaded, seasoned veteran, if you will.
0: <laughs> so what's your background? How, how did you get into film what what was what motivated you to do this and is this something that you had always planned on doing
1: yeah i mean um you know growing up always loved to write stories that was always like key things um did try to do a lot of comic books but i was just a horrific drawer um i mean so it moved on from that and um yeah yeah, we'd make little videos you know i'd have my dad's big sony vhs camcorder just you know we'd go out and make videos and um and I had a, a best friend who um we were in high school and we kind of were like, dude, we're gonna move to LA and we're gonna be like the new two quarries, you know. I don't know which one was gonna be Feldman or hand, but we hadn't decided that part yet. We just knew <laughs> we were gonna be the two quarries heading out there. So he moved out there and um dude, he started crashing into this day. He's you know just still cranking along. And um, and then so I, I kind of followed him out and um and I knew I wanted to do screenwriting. So I came out there with some spec scripts. Um, but again, at that point in time, it was like you didn't um, email scripts around. I like, I had to go print them. I had to get them. Yeah. Bound. I had to, and then you had to find a, some, a way to get them in the hands of people. That was the hard part. Yeah. Um, and you know, as an as 18 year old kid coming out there, you know, we it was rough. I mean, to say the least at the beginning. Um, and it's still rough. Anyone trying to break into this industry as a writer, I'm telling you, it's not an easy thing. No, it's not. Uh, but fortunately, as I was out there, um, I mean, there was people that uh, I got to know and and we had a good group of people that we were around and people were reading my stuff and thought I was good or at least good enough. And, um, you know, eventually, eventually, if you stick with it, um, I mean, now it's 20 plus years for me, but like, you know, it starts to happen. And it's there's projects, obviously, like I'd written and, you know, nobody wanted to touch because I had no credits behind me, hadn't done anything. And then all of a sudden, you know. I get a couple credits underneath me, a couple of successes. And then I send the same project back and be like, Oh, we love this. And it's like, huh. dude, you already read this and it's, uh, yeah. Hey, you didn't like it the last time. Yeah. But so, you know, that's how the industry is right. It's the crazy yeah. chicken or the egg thing. Like you have to be successful for them to want to do your projects. Yes. How do you get a project, you know, up, up and running if, you know, no one's there to support it. Yeah. Now
0: that is a challenge. That is a challenge. So you, uh, studied, uh, radio, TV, and film at University of Texas.
1: Yes, I'm a Longhorn.
0: You're Longhorn. And then you moved to LA, and you got your your start not in directing or writing. You started as, as an actor.
1: Yeah, I mean, like when in Rome, right? I mean, if I was going to LA, <laughs> I, mean, I might as well get some headshots. And, and I always like acting, and, and it's something maybe one day I'd like to try and do again. And I had a little success with it. Like I got on a soap, and I was Chaz the party guy on a... on days of our lives had a little 1920 episode run um and um but you know i came off that and it was like i just i'll be honest man i didn't like the audition process and yeah i just would rather i'd rather stay at home and start writing stuff instead of like you know driving in la it could be you know one audition could take your whole day because it takes you two hours to get anywhere and then you go sit there and wait for an hour and it's like you know so I, i was i was coming off of um Doing the soap, and then yeah, and then I just said, you know what, I'm I'm gonna call the manager and said I think I'm just gonna start trying to write. It was pretty funny though, because I sent my manager a script, and he was like, well, he's like, I don't want to read it. I don't like reading my actor stuff because I don't like telling him it's not good. He's like, so I usually tell him don't send it to me. I was like, ah, please. So he reads it and he calls me. He goes, I'm not gonna lie, you may be a better writer than you are an actor. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I don't know if that's good or bad to hear from your manager, but um, but anyways, uh. So, um, so I kind of moved full force into, you know, pursuing, um, pursuing the, 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 the writing and directing thing. So that's great. Um, we did a short film, uh, me and my, um, one of my best friends out there, Jensen Ackles and, um, put it together, won some awards. And then, um, that, you know, it's like, everything's a small, uh, stepping stone, right? Like it was yeah. like the short film. And then as we were talking about rock slide, like, then it was like, I had some other buddies who were like new producers and they said, Hey, do you have a movie we could shoot for a hundred thousand dollars? And we were like, all right, well, what if, you know, each of us went and could get twenty five thousand each, and there was four of us, so we could pull this money together, and so we did that, and like, and it was like, okay, cool. We did rock slide, and through a connection, we gave it to Patrick Warburton, and crazy enough, he loved it and said he would do it, which was mind blowing. Um, wow, and I'm so grateful for him. <laughs> He's such a great guy, but I'm still so grateful for the, you know, to this day. Um, and um, and then he started, and then all of a sudden all these other cast members started coming on. He started making phone calls and my other buddy, John Walk started making phone calls and it was like, Hey, uh, Tom Bergeron said, he wants to do this. And, uh, you know, Andy Dick says he wants to be the bad guy and Rena so and it. So it was crazy. Um, it was, it really was mind blowing. Um, that is- you know, yeah. And so we got that one done and look, that one's hit or miss. Um, there's people that love it, love it, love it. And there's people that hate it, hate it, hate it. And I understand both of them. Um, and, um, and, you know, and, and then so everything was a stepping stone. So then, I, you know, and then the next thing was, I think, Where Hope Grows, maybe. God, was it Where Hope Grows? I think it was Where repo Hope Repo
0: Games, you did Repo Games.
1: Oh, well, I had written Where Hope Grows. It hadn't gotten done yet, but um, I financed yet. But um, yeah, and then from there, uh, it was crazy. Me and my buddy had this crazy idea. He was, he's a full-time actor. And um, we said, man, what if, what if we did this show where like it was a live repossession and then we let the people getting their car repossessed play a game show in their front yard against the repo man. And if they win, we pay off their car and they own it. And if they lose, we repo it because it was a live repo anyways. And um, I, I, told my, I told my lawyer and he said, there's only one, one person I know crazy enough to pull off that legal nightmare. And so he hooked us up with this company, 495 Productions. And sure enough, we sold it to um, at the time Spike Network, and it was the largest series pickup in Spike history. They did twenty episodes right off the bat. Incredible! Um, so I've seen over two hundred live repossessions. Uh, I got shot at in Vegas. I had to be the SWAT team had to run us out with shields. Um, I mean, I, oh
0: my gosh!
1: Yes, it, it was. That was a wild ride. That was a, it was a fun <laughs> wild ride. And it's funny because to this day, I, I still work a lot with four nine five. I still do unscripted stuff. Yeah. And, um, and I work with 495 still. And even like yesterday, they're shooting this show over here by me. And I went over there and one of the guys were was like, dude, he was like, we still talk about repo games. How do we get it back on? It's been 10 years. It's the best show ever. And I was like, I wish we could, <laughs> man. But,
0: I haven't seen it. I have to confess, but uh, it sounds like a fun show. I got to I gotta look it, it up.
1: <laughs> it is a fun show. It's a wild one. And look, again, I mean, we weren't um, repoing Corvettes from rocket scientists. So it was like more like fun jokey kind of questions almost like jaywalking with jay leno if you remember that where you ask kind of like kind of silly questions yeah but i'm not gonna lie when you know there's six cameras and um your neighbors are watching and your car is on the line it's crazy how you can't remember the simplest things you know what i mean (laughs) so it was a a good one so yeah i got and it was cool because repo games gave me the money to then what happened next was um rich peluso at a firm uh called me about this movie called the remaining and asked me if i could rewrite it but he didn't have he wasn't ready to green light it yet but he really loved the idea and he said hey you have to you'd have to kind of basically do this on spec but i think if you rewrite it i think we can get it to a place where i can green light it and um that was super fortunate because i was i was in the office with my re- reality show stuff and we were in post-production so i had some time to start noodling it and um then got to rewrite it okay. and it got made and um so that, yeah, and that movie's great. That movie actually just got, because re- I think probably Halloween, but just got released on uh, Pure Flix again as kind of, so it's getting kind of a rebirth right now.
0: So that was uh, an apocalyptic horror film?
1: Yep, yep. It's the old subgenre known as faith-based horror. Uh,
0: and that was before Hope Grows, where Hope Grows?
1: Yeah, that was right before Where Hope Grows. Okay. Um, if I remember correctly. And then, um, And then, same thing, I started helping some guys rewrite something and they were trying to do this movie with like a small town feel, but it was kind of like a screwball comedy. And I was like, Hey, if you guys are trying to have a project that like a a city or a town would get behind, I've got this, this project. And I showed them where hope grows. And, um, they were like, yeah, let's, let's do that one. And so we had an investor that came in and gave us the money and we took it to Louisville, Kentucky. And it was, wow. And to this date, it's still my favorite movie I've ever shot. I don't think I'll ever shoot a movie that I love more than that movie.
0: So what was the inspiration for that film?
1: Um, you know, funny enough, uh, even though again it yeah it's like uh, the Hol- hollywood reporter said it was the first english speaking film with a lead actor with down syndrome mm-hmm. um but it wasn't really the inspiration wasn't the down syndrome or a special needs angle it really was about a man who finds childlike faith at his lowest point and mm-hmm. how what that could do and so i needed like a harbinger of this childlike faith and i say hey, you know i didn't really know anyone was down syndrome or special needs really and i said but what do, you know maybe it would make sense if it was like an individual with down syndrome because you can believe they have this childlike faith and the world would think that they're stupid or they don't get it or they're idiots or however, whatever the, whatever the you know the way the world judges individuals' special needs but then really actually they're happy like this guy's happy like the, the characters he's got, he's a happy guy like and so he but he's not worried about the world and um, yeah. and so it's about this guy who has it all. Who was a major league baseball player, probably had any woman he wanted. You know, had money, had everything. He's struggling to raise his daughter as a single father, and, and he just has this chance encounter with, you know, this kid that works in the grocery store, and how literally watching that kid live his life, you know, the, certainly someone we would consider the least of these um, in today's society actually mm-hmm. has it more together than this guy does.
0: Yeah. And it won the audience award at the Heartland Film.
1: Yeah, the Heartland Film Fest, which is really cool, because that, that you know that that festival is kind. I mean, like it's that's a super legit festival. It's like, um, I mean, honestly, it's almost like kind of Sundancey for like family or just like you know um, family films i guess if you mm-hmm. say that but it's yeah like it's certainly prestigious especially in this world i mean i know it's great we've been nominated or won like dove awards and other things but like heartland was something cool to win for me like that was probably the, the coolest one
0: and that led you to doing a documentary on Osbergers.
1: um funny enough not to well so that actually that led me to priceless because uh john chapman who is with the small bone brothers like he had seen the movie and said hey the boys want to do this movie they we saw where Help grows we feel like it's the right vibe and so that started that conversation but um my um, one of my best friends uh he was my dp on where hope grows and he had bumped into this comedy troupe in Boston where everyone had autism and um and so he was the one who came back and said hey uh i'm going to go shoot this let's see if we have anything and we watched it and he went out there we got it, and it was enough for a short film and he was like dude i think we could you know if i went back out there for a couple of weeks and we had an idea like this could be feature length and so it all worked out and it turned out great. Netflix bought it. It was at Sun. I mean, it was at a South by Southwest. I mean, it was really, really wow. proud of it. Um, that's great. Yeah, I remember. Funny,
0: yeah, there was a lot of press. It was marketed very well.
1: Oh, cool! Thanks. Yeah, and, and then that funny enough that led to, on tour with Aspergers or Us, which was a docu, which was a, a, a limited series that HBO picked up. So oh. that's on HBO. So okay,
0: I didn't know that that was yeah. a series.
1: Oh yeah, it's great. It's actually, I think it's better than the doc. It's a travel log. We the boys get a Winnebago and they do their first comedy tour where they get booked for 20, 25 shows across the U.S. Huh. Um, so they spend their summer um, just tackling the U.S. together. It's pretty. It's pretty cool.
0: That sounds great. So priceless came out, and then uh, then you got run the race. Now was that another one of your your pet projects? That was something that you were really your one of your babies
1: my buddy, Darren Mormon, who was producing it, calling me and go, hey, man, do you want to get in the Tim Tebow business? And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> um, so uh, so he sent me over uh, the script and said, hey, this needs a rewrite. And, you know, we think you're the right guy. And then um, the rewrite led to them talking to a bunch of directors. But then, you know, um, obviously my name was in the hat and my name is the one that got pulled. So, oh. um, yeah, so very, very proud, you know, very proud of that one. Again, I always say it. I, I hate the title of the movie. I, I hate even saying it um it's such a pedestrian weird title um but uh but i love the movie
0: oh that's great um and then you you must have been friends with matt to get connected with the man from nowhere because he did that at the master's university uh without yeah. any studio support
1: yeah matt and i've been playing basketball together for 10 15 years oh, wow. and they, and they do a bunch of the masters university where he teaches does um these really cool short films every yeah. year so I've been writing their short films for the past oh, three or four years.
0: I didn't and, know um, that.
1: Yeah, and then um and they're, they're really there's some really good ones. Um and then uh yeah, and then he had this idea to try to pull off a a feature in 8 days, uh which is crazy. That
0: is um, insane.
1: And we did it and we're very proud of it. it. actually it's an exclusive on um Pureflix right now. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but it's pretty funny too if you uh, have you seen it by any chance? I have. I have. Okay. So there's this whole um and Matt may have talked about this but there's this whole neo noir or I'm not neo just noir um, through line like B story right Yeah two weeks before shooting that whole story did he say this was a western Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it Yeah crazy and, was like, and you okay. were the
0: one at, at having to rewrite the whole thing to as a as a western no more
1: no more western now we're doing noir I was like all right cool man. let's
0: do it. While you're in the but shoot was-, was that in the middle of the shoot or was that before the shoot
1: it was about two weeks before the shoot wow um, yeah but it was kind of cool because it was kind of cool like a master chef thing where it was like all right here's the locations I think we can have here's you know the stuff we can do now go write this you know go write this storyline so I was like all right cool so we, we kind of made it work that way but again to pull off a movie in eight days and one that looks like that um and and I've talked to people that you know people really respond to it oh I know yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's impre- it's an impressive feat matt crushed it
0: to I mean to to use students in that kind of a setting without any kind of uh, studio support behind it, um, that that's incredible. I, I'm hats off to both of you. I mean, you, there was a significant amount of material in that world w- which would have been the Western that you had to rewrite. So that was yeah. a big yeah. rewrite for you guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was it was a good one It was fun. <laughs> and I don't know. Matt, I'm I'm sure Matt. Since you've talked to Matt, we just sold another Western too.
0: Did you? Another. Okay, he yeah. was mentioning he had a Western, so I'm glad he. I'm yeah. glad it sold.
1: Yeah, so we just sold one. So pretty cool.
0: That's fantastic. Who'd you sell it to? Who's got it?
1: Um, I think I can say, um, INSP Network. Oh, okay. um, don't which,
0: know.
1: See, funny enough, uh, they're the sixth highest uh, most watched network on cable right now. Actually, really? sometimes they, sometimes they move in, uh, in front of Hallmark in five, um, but really? they're uh, yeah, their whole, their whole tagline is heroes live here. So they do like a lot of Westerns, John Wayne. Um, they do, you know, any movies that have true heroes, very like middle America, very, you know, that kind of like uh, American grit type stories, like okay. that's kind of what falls in there. So they, um, but they do, they do originals. Then the last one they did was actually pretty good. They did, oh, it was called the warrant and it starred Neil McDonough. If you know okay. Neil, um, no um okay anyways but you know guys a working actors worked in a million studio shows and movies and mm-hmm. um and it's it's a fun thing so uh they're a great great group over there great people but i mean we had a um they were talking to me about possibly directing something i said well if you like westerns hey read this one and then they read it and said we like huh. it we like it so much we we'll buy it so i said Thank well you.
0: that's great so matt's going to do yeah. that is he going to do that with masters no of-
1: no i mean that's i mean that script is sold so it is now up to them however they do it. So he's
0: not attached
1: anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, when they decide when they put it in the slate if they need extra, if they need outside help, they would come to us. But you know what? That's the the beauty and the terror of selling a script. You never know. It's, a big it's like a, a child that you just send off to college, and you just say, "I hope you do it well."
0: Yeah. And when they come back, you don't recognize them. <laughs>
1: that, is, that is true. Had that happened too many times. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's that's Hollywood. Okay, so how did Blue Miracle come about? That that's quite a big budget film for you guys with Ben Howard and uh, his Yeah, new... so
1: Blue and Blue Miracle's cool because if you like if you do the math and you think about it, like I've had, you know, we had moderate success or decent success with some of the other movies, but it's like even like you take uh, run the race was it did like whatever 7 million dollars in the box office, right? So if you do the math, I mean, what? Maybe maybe 7 million, maybe, you know, maybe a million people saw it, maybe Seven hundred fifty thousand people saw it total mm-hmm. um at least in theaters but then you look at like netflix and that platform and when you see that we were number one or number two in the world for yeah. many weeks and number one is the most liked on the platform and you do the math like honestly there's probably 130 million people that have seen that movie so yeah. far if not more at this time yeah. so it's like that's pretty cool like obviously the upside of of any of that that you know is gone like you just it's just a purchase price but like right but <laughs> the fact that so many eyeballs, like it was cool. I taught a class last night and um, everyone had seen that movie. You know what I mean? I've never yeah. been in a class so far where everyone's like, Oh, we've seen one of your movies, but last night everyone had seen blue Mary. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. So that's cool. It's a cool calling card. And, um, and that was one that came to me where, Oh uh, God, who was it? Maybe it was Darren again. It was Darren again. Um, they had a, they had this IP, this great story of, of um, you know, the, the gar Gar and, Omar's life and said, Hey, uh, they actually had a book, um, book proposal. And they said, read this book proposal and, you know, see what you think about what, how this could be a feature. And so I pitched them on something and just took off and started writing. And those are always funny journeys too, because like we had other networks or other studios that were looking at totally financing it even before Ben. Um, and, um, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, they read the first draft and they hated the first draft, which was interesting. So we took mm. it back, to a second draft. They liked the second draft a lot, but still had some notes. But then at that time, we floated it to some other people, and the other people were like, "No, we like it as it is." And so it moved on, and then obviously it was a success. So, mm. um, but you know, it's 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 funny when you you know it's it's a funny it's a funny dance when you have a script that you're trying to sell in yeah. the market and just you know how people perceive it or what they want to do with it, and you never know.
0: Was that one of Ben Howard's first uh, third coast entertainment projects?
1: That might actually be his first one. That, um, that actually uh, went into, well, not went into production, but definitely aired because Ben, Ben and I have role with it with Shonda Pierce. Yeah, that was, you know, that is um, <clears throat> what we have, and, and we're just working on our distribution right now because it was going to be theatrically released. Um, essentially last October, but obviously mm. that all fell apart. So we're just trying to figure that out. But that was, I think those two are Ben's first two Third Coast um, productions. Oh, um, okay. So.
0: Good. Yeah, he's a nice guy. They both,
1: turned out, they both turned out great. I'm super proud of both of them. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm glad he got that going. Now tell us about Roll With It.
1: Yeah. So Roll With It, um, look, man, it's not a war and peace. We're not uh, redefining a genre or anything. <laughs> uh, it is about Shonda plays a... Um, a waitress at the Biscuit Barrel, which is our version of Cracker Barrel since we couldn't afford to buy them off and pay for their all their copyright stuff. Um, <laughs> so anyways, small town, uh, which was awesome because we actually shot in Ashland City, which is where Shonda lives, and it's it was great. Um, and basically, she finds out her house. There's a tax lien against her house. She's a, a widow. I mean, it really leans into actually a lot of Shonda's life. I mean, she is a widow, um, and actually her and her um late husband had the idea for this kind of project um so it's it's kind of a legacy to them together um and it's yeah she's raising a son by herself and she gets this tax lien that she never knew her husband was never paying the taxes on the house and she's had she struggled to sing um to to, you know she used to sing they used to do karaoke together and sing and stuff but since he's gone they're always a duo she hasn't done it again and of course it just so happens that the Cheatham County Fair karaoke competition is coming to town. And um, she ends up trying to win that to get the money back to save her house. Um, but it is super inspirational. It's pretty broad, which I love. It's definitely not like a, a faith film on the nose, which it's not even a faith film really. Um, I mean, there's definitely strokes of faith in it for sure. And you can't get away from right. you know, the idea that there's people like Michael W. Smith and Shonda and, uh, heather land is in it um you know elizabeth, elizabeth hasselback shows up and sings oh. a, an ario Speedwagon" song um but um but it's um what i love about it is it kind of has that 80s feel and i'm mm-hmm. like i'm just a super 80s freak where it's like you don't have to overthink the movie you just got to fall in love with the character and go on the ride and um it turned and it turned out great we've we've tested it with audiences it's 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 a hit um we just now need to figure out where it lives um, but there's great music in it huey lewis in the news um, Katrina the waves, Wang Chung. I mean, it's called roll with it. So it opens with Steve Winwood's roll with it. Um, free bird, which I like think I told you, um, spoiler alert is uh, Michael W. Smith is yeah. a redneck singing in the bar, <laughs> uh, you know, um, shake your groove thing. So it's like all this great music. And i just, I love music so much. Mm-hmm. So it was, that was really fun. I mean, I, I had a blast picking the songs. Um, there's an epic, epic, uh, performance, uh, built this city um starship song so it's it's fun it's really really fun um we just need to get it out there i can't wait
0: yeah and no no idea when that's going to happen
1: we are in talks right now so hopefully i literally i literally was told we should have an idea in next two weeks so
0: okay all right so maybe maybe sometime next year
1: my guess is it would be uh sometime first quarter next year
0: okay that's quick that's pretty quick.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, but I think we're, I mean, we're, you know, we're chomping at the bit, ready to get it out there. We yeah. just need to find the right partner that, um that is as chomping as we are.
0: So. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I hope that works out.
1: Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's been, um, yeah, it's a good one.
0: So you've written about nine features and you've directed four. So do you have a preference between writing and directing, or is that just something that happens out of necessity?
1: um you know i mean right now preferentially i like to write because i can do it from the house and i got two little kiddos that i don't like leaving okay and my wife, that's good i don't like leaving so if you know as of right now i'd rather write if i had to choose mm-hmm. um i, I really don't want to direct um like a movie a year just to stay relevant you know what i mean like to keep keep it going um, mm-hmm. i don't want to just have these long layovers i just optioned a script called the miracle girl that i'm really excited about that um we Hopefully, we'll get into production within the next. I don't know, end of this year, into the beginning mm-hmm. of next year. Um, but that that was just last two weeks, so I'm, I'm slated to direct that. Um, there's a little Jimmy Dickens biopic that I wrote that um, I'm slated to direct. Uh, there's a musical that I'm doing with um, Alan Powell and Steve Barnett at Monarch Media that I'm slated to direct. So there's a lot of directing things I'm slated to direct, and those scripts are turned in. It's just now a matter of getting those things fully financed and on you know a shoot schedule so
0: wow. how are yeah. you so prolific it seems like you've got stuff just flowing out of you
1: um i do I, honestly that's it's funny um i will say I, I write really fast yeah um i just whatever reason that's just I don't know, it's my gift or it's just it's so like um and, and i'm at the point now where i have a lot of people like that are kind of coming to me but i can turn things around really fast um mm. so and i also don't have like i'm not stuck in one genre i mean as you've seen like I, you yeah. know, i've done sports dramas i've done horror films comedies um you know i've got characters that are all latino except for dennis quaid as in you know blue miracle i've got scripts i've written where there's a lot of african-american characters i've got you know two scripts right now that are being shopped that are both you know strong female leads the miracle girl that i was talking about is a i mean it's it is a vehicle for a strong female lead. So um I don't know. I just I, I don't know. I, I if it I just I crank. Like if it's if it's something that I, I get I got a vision for, I'm just gonna sit down and crank it out. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not the great here's the beauty of having success, right? Like even if it's not like perfect or the best, whereas like earlier before I'd have to have it like top, top notch shape to get around because mm-hmm. I mean it was literally the calling card. You know, now I've got people that if I can just get them the script. And, they, and I go, Hey, here's the script. Now, if you like it, let's work on this together. Now they they'll take that chance. So it's, I think it's easier. Like the pressure's off in some ways. Okay. A I bit, see. Yeah. Yeah. Where I, where I can just kind of crank through it and be like, okay, here it is. We're going to make this a lot better. But like, here's the, you know, here's the script.
0: True. True. Um, so on yeah. your first scripts, you got to do like 20 drafts, but on your current stuff, it's, it's just a few drafts. Yeah. You. Yeah. That's, that's, that's,
1: yeah, that's the way it's
0: weird. <laughs> huh interesting so how long does it generally take you to to write a script from start to finish do you have like an average
1: Um, you know what it's so depends on like like a a movie like priceless the first draft took a week um on blue miracle you know the first draft probably took a month but i you know i i don't really i'm not good at mapping out so like a lot of guys will do like beat sheets or like an outline or they'll do the board and they'll put all the scenes up and the I can't do that. I just sit down and I just start writing. Mm. And so a lot of times, like when I did rock slide, I was doing, I was making sure I wrote five pages every day at least. And so I I remember it was like page 85 and I was like, God, this thing sucks. Where did I go wrong? And so I had to go back and I was like, Oh, here it is on page 15. Like I made the wrong decision because I was just writing and I just kept running with it. So like I had to scrap all those pages and go back and start again. So like that could, that would take longer, but I mean, you know, typically in these deals, you're given like three months to do the first draft, but I I would say almost always I have some version of the first draft within an easy month, for sure. Well,
0: that's pretty Um, good. That is really good. I I find myself in that position all the time. If I I just go ahead and write, I end up somewhere where there are some surprises, but there's also some bad things that make me have to go back and restructure and do all that hard work to get it up to get it back up. Yeah,
1: well... And I think it's also like the more you do it, the more things land naturally. Cause like, again, like I'm not going, okay, what's my first act break. What's my second act break. But then yeah. I'm always, it's always interesting. Then when I like, I'll get through it and I'll go back and I'll go, Oh, look, my, my first act break naturally fell like right where it probably should fall. You mm. know what I mean? Like, but it's yeah. just, man, I've been doing it for 20 right. years. I'm so it, it, you know, it's very different than trying to map it out for the first time or the yeah. second time or whatever. No, for
0: sure. That's great. Um, what do you find to be challenges in uh, working in Christian film? Are there any challenges that you you see?
1: Oh my gosh, yes, there are. Todd, there are huge challenges. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, I mean, like, there's there's challenges that are like where it's like, uh, like people, like marketers or producers or financiers or whoever it is, like obviously super limiting into a lot of times what you can do and say, mm-hmm. which. Is super frustrating where it can be down to like in run the race i had people tell me that like there's jump cuts of cheerleaders doing flip-flops as like the football team runs out and they're kind of flanking them and doing flip-flops like 99 of the cheerleaders in america probably do when when the team runs out Mm. and it's jump cuts too And, and you know and i get the note well we can see the bloomers um quit very briefly in one scene it's like dude, if you're looking for the bloomers and jump shots while the whole football team's running out, like, I I mean, so you get those weird notes, right? Where it's like, like, why? Or like, you know, a lot of notes where it's like, faith has to equal family friendly. And it's like, no, can't we show real things and do real things? It doesn't have to be gratuitous. Like, I don't want to do gratuitous things, but like, certainly um, there's people that are dealing with bigger issues than, you know, whatever little small way we want to paint it. And, And I think there's, you know, obviously there's, different people in this industry that are making things for different like the Kendrick brothers make for a certain audience and I mm. love those guys. They're awesome. Um and you know like uh the Irwin brothers they have their kind of take and then I think I I, I tend to feel like mine has a little more indie kind of vibe to it which mm. is kind of where I where I live it where I like and enjoy the films I watch anyways. Um I always find it funny too because it's like people are like oh well you know if I write a movie that's got kind of cut like the movie we have now like there's just plenty of cuss words in it you know what i mean um yeah. it's just it's the way it works um it's not a faith-based film but um but the film's beautiful and it's a great story of a daughter and a, a, a father coming back together and, and figuring out each other um but you know um i, I mean I, i'm already even thinking about going oh my gosh are, are some of my faith fans gonna just completely be upset because i've done <laughs> this beautiful movie that you know is you know got this and. Yeah. yeah. They, they probably will. Um, yeah, that's true. but you know, so it's like, I, so I hate that I'm hyper aware of that type stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's part of it. Uh, and you know, I think our, I think our, our faith audience is strange, like, um, in, in a very frustrating way. And I, as long as they agree with the message, they kind of disregard the art. Yes. They don't really care yeah. about the art as long as they agree with the message. Mm-hmm. And I find that super frustrating. Um, and again, I again, it's all subjective. So, I mean, I'm not, say right. i'm the arbiter of all things that are good films but there's some really bad art that gets a pass yeah because the message is a christian message and that's it is what it is um yeah. so i mean that can be frustrating as you know that can be frustrating as well um so th- there's those i mean i, I want to say like Seventy-five percent of the movies I've done with the faith with Christian producers at some point God gives them a note, which is terrible as a writer because what am I going to do? Like if God gives you a note, I'm, I'm going to argue <laughs> back and forth. Are you
0: serious? So, God gave oh, them yeah. a yeah,
1: yeah. That's they'll be like oh they'll be like oh yeah I got God gave me this note. I mean and that's just a losing battle because then I have to go no. I mean like I'm not like God is a better storyteller than that. Like we're not doing that. I don't want to do that. But it's like oh you know all right well if God told you something else. I'm like no God I mean. God didn't give me any notes, but I'm telling you, like, I can't just take a note because you feel like God gave you that note. That's happened in numerous movies I've done. And and it gets frustrating because how can I argue with a note that you think God gave you? um, (laughs) So there's there's, there's all those, all those things that are all out there. Um, Yeah. But, but again, like, I I think, I do think the audience is expanding. I do think more Mm -hmm. people, there were finding, you know pockets at least of people that are more interested right. in, in not the same old faith content so that's that's good and i do know that at least some of my films a lot of my films have had pretty good crossover appeal um, mm-hmm. just talking people and being in hollywood for 20 plus years um you know that gives me a little different perspective i think yeah. because like obviously like you know the irwins were in alabama and um you know kendricks were in what georgia um uh, mm-hmm so i i feel like you know i was around a lot of industry people that weren't faith at all and that's really that was my friends that was my contemporaries and so um so that's been kind of cool because i I tend to get a lot of respect for the art even if they it's the backwards i get respect for the art even if they don't agree with the message right um which i understand um and i find that pretty refreshing like that always Mm -hmm. gives me you know like i like to show my faith projects or my cuts of the faith movies or my scripts to non believe my buddies that are like right. atheist or agnostic because I want them to judge it based on like, you know, is right. it a good movie? Like are you tracking the characters? Like, do you want to watch this movie and not just like, you know, I like this rousing version of this casting crown song right here or whatever the case may be like right. a total, time and place for both of those things, but that's just not for me. So. Yeah.
0: Right. So the crossover is hard, but it is really amazing when it does happen because it's so rare when something is able to do yeah, it really,
1: that. It really is a no man's land. And, that, and that's the thing that I'm always teaching or, you know, younger filmmakers and stuff. They'll be like, Oh, I mean, it's always the same pitch and I get it. Cause we all want to do it. Like this movie reaches across the aisle and this is this. And it's like, I'll read, I'll be like, man, I gotta let you know. Like you're actually in a no man's land right now. Like it's not yeah. faithy enough to, to be a faith. You've got certain things that are like, you can't yeah. say this in a faith movie, but it's also got too much faith where like no one, is going to pick it up in right. the, you know, secular crowd. Cause that's also what people don't understand. I think, um, um, is, you know, you're not, when you're trying to sell a script or whatever, it's not the audience. You're not like going, Hey, um, there's an audience for this. Like there very well might be an audience for this, but you've got to sell a gatekeeper at Netflix or the right. producer. Like you've got that that's got to be sold to them so if they don't agree with it or they don't like you or they don't like it mm-hmm. that audience will never have a chance to see it there very that's well right. might be an audience for it but you're, you're you're thinking incorrectly if you think that this is like well there's an audience for this they'll do it and it's like no you got to convince this right. netflix guy why they need you know you know why why they should like it. and if it's something that's you know that they're not super into right then it's never going to make it
0: mm-hmm. i wonder if the the ambiguity that in, in an attempt to make that crossover, I wonder if we maybe shoot ourselves in the foot by, by doing that too much. You know, if you empty too much, then the audience knows it. Whether they're faith-based or not, they know you're not really being true to the, the theology or the beliefs of Christianity. If we just had more theology and, and didn't worry about trying to coddle them or separate them from the, the truths that we believe, if they would respect it more
1: uh, i think i i think you're right i think if it's authentic i think it's. Yep. Good, but then you have to, i think the issue is and this is where i think we fall short with faith-based films is then you have to create authentic characters for yep. that to come from and yes. so if the characters are just a bunch of shills that are just waiting to pay off some service yes. then then it doesn't feel authentic and i think that's the biggest issue like yeah. it feels like the movie is just the sermon and it just got rat and everything else it was almost like reverse engineered, right? Like, right. Here's the sermon. And now we got to find characters to do it. But if your character, if that's organically coming from your character, mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I think then the audience does buy it the same way, by the way, that if I was watching a movie about, you know, uh, a Muslim family or, you know, right. and I, if I'm watching it, like if it doesn't feel like propaganda and I'm just watching this, you know, these, this family and their life journey or something like, I'm interested. Like, I yeah. want to watch it. Like, I want to be a part of it. Like, um, and so that, you know, I think it's the same way. Like you can have people, but it, they, you're right. Authenticity is key, especially, yeah. especially in this generation and this age right now.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, I read Dostoevsky and I just think, wow, you know, this guy really put a lot of theology and a lot of thought in his theology. And that's the content, you know, that's driving some of the the chapters and story movements and you know it's regarded worldwide as as masterpiece and uh you know yeah we could be we should be able to do the same thing in christian filmmaking
1: yep but again it's it's just it's there's certain key components that a lot of times when these christian uh finan- the financiers and stuff they really feel like they really have to just nail it like you know oh, oh you know hammer on the head m- multiple times to make yeah. sure you're understanding that can't be subtle You know it can't be layered it's like it has to be like in your face like (laughs) you know drop fall on the ground sinners prayer and you know and then everything goes right so yeah
0: yeah that's great um but i think
1: even as christians like i was gonna say our our that's that's what gets me is like our journeys are so messy like you know i mean like i mean i think it doesn't even feel authentic to many christians it's almost in a weird way um some of these movies and forgive this terminology it's almost like christian porn where it's like this is how we (laughs) wish the world worked or this is how we this is how this you know this is my dream this is my fantasy like it works like this i say this thing and then my life is perfect or that everything goes away and it doesn't work that way because i'm a christian right now going on a journey and like dude it's not easy like there's days weeks months where i'm like i don't want to do this but i i believe you know in the historicity of jesus and i believe in yeah. the whole, i believe all the stuff and i know I believe, it's in my heart so even on those days where i'm like god like i still circle back and it i it can't leave me but man it's tough yeah and 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 man there's things i'm like god like if i wasn't a christian man i would do all even movies like i'm like i can't tell you how many movie ideas i've thought of them i'm like well that doesn't even seem remotely edifying. So I can't do that, but man, that'd be a funny movie. Um, so I, so I think that's part of it too is like Mm -hmm. even our, for our Christian audience, it it doesn't feel authentic, um, to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, that's true. So what inspires you? What keeps you going?
1: I mean, it's one of those things where like, again, I'm no longer bright eyed and bushy tailed. Um, (laughs) I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work and, um, you know, but I want to, you know, I, I do believe in like a legacy or like, um, a brand. And so, um, you know, I want to create content, like, you know, I was saying where, you know, I feel like we're a little more on the edge of of Mm -hmm. the Christian audience. And, um, I feel like it's got a more of an indie vibe, but I definitely like stories that are driven by unlikely heroes or underrepresented. Like, again, like the, the special needs thing will always be I mean, that movie really changed me because I didn't know anyone in special needs. And now, you know, David DeSantis, the lead actor, I talk to him every single day and oh. I'm on boards of special needs communities and I volunteer at my church. You know, it's like, it literally, re- you know, it was, maybe it's art imitating life, imitating art or whatever the case may yeah. be, but it's like, right. it really did change my, my life with that. And, um, and so like, to me, that's awesome. Like movies that can do that, um, and introduce the world to characters and heroes that, they've never seen or they didn't know. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. I like stories that have a cause behind it yeah. or, a, you know, um, I agree. but at the same time, I mean, I want to have fun too. Like I've got adventure, I've got action movies right now that mm-hmm. uh, we're pitching and, you know, like I've got a supernatural thriller that we're pitching. Like, you know, it's, I, I just, I want to make good stuff and I want to make stuff that affects people. But yeah. I also find it interesting too. It's like some of these films that we I have now that are broader and not faith, like, I think it's awesome to get some people that are outside of the face space to be like, Hey, I like that movie. Who's the guy making mm-hmm. that movie? Oh, cool. What are his other movies? And then right. go back and look. And those movies don't offend them because they're not, you know, um, just again, a, a sermon wrapped up in a movie, but like, right. they're like, Oh, cool. Like I found inspiration in this or I have questions now. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, it, it is funny though. Every movie I write now, like, I am just messing around and writing a, a script on my own right now, just for fun in between some stuff. But, um, but of course there's a character with Down syndrome. I've, i I try to put a character with Down syndrome now in every script I'm doing. Um, so <laughs> I gotta, I gotta find David more work. He's so good in the movie. I just love that, yeah.
0: <laughs> So you're now in, in involved in teaching, uh, through uh, a company. Why don't you tell me about this? Education? Yeah. So there's
1: this really cool website that's cranked up called aspire circles like A-S-P-I-R-E circles.com and a um, uh, good group. And um, they were just trying to find resources for people that um, want to make, you know, inspirational content and stuff, but maybe don't have access to industry people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, they brought me in to do a course uh, and it's super casual. I'm not good. Like I'm not a good masterclass guy or I'm not a good, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just like, conversational and, and yeah. telling war stories and, and you know, what is it like in the trenches and how do you get your stuff done? And, um and so uh, basically, uh, yeah, there's classes that you sign up for. And I've got one that teaches about writing. I get into some directing too. It's um, I think it's 15 classes. And then there's uh, interactive Zoom calls um, once a month. Um, mm-hmm. My friend, Chris Palaha, who is the star, actually, of War Help grows—not um, the individual Down syndrome, David Desantis, but the other guy who's been in a million things. Um, he's teaching acting. Uh, Chris Kimlin, who shoots all the Irwin Brothers stuff and shoots all my stuff, uh, he's doing cinematography. Um, you know, there's uh, Adam Drake, who's the first AD for The Chosen, and has done and is just an amazing guy. He's doing um, AD stuff. So it's like there's a wide group of stuff in there for anyone interested in you know, filmmaking, like, how do I get started? Or what do I need to know? Or what are some tips? Like, it's there. And right. it's interactive. And they're building out communities. And it's called circles, because it's like, you join these circles where you're now, you know, you've got a community that's all doing the same thing.
0: Is it based on semesters or quarters? Or is it just whenever you start up? It just,
1: uh, that is interesting, because I think right now, it's like, some, it's almost like semesters. So like, mm-hmm. you sign up now, but I think there may be an archived element afterwards. Obviously, the Zoom calls would not be happening, but just right. like if you wanted to take the class later and just go over the class. Um, but um, but right now, like yeah, I think their sign up is through like October twenty second or twenty fifth. Or I mean, it's coming up. So.
0: So are you getting um, a lot of response? Yeah,
1: yeah, I have. I've had people reaching out to me, and um, and, and again, because there's, I mean, if you're in you know Iowa and you right. want to write some faith based films, like. You know, it's a chance to at least hear some stories or and, and get a chance to ask questions that you might not have. I mean, I, I you know, I've, I've taught classes. I taught a class last night. I mean, I've taught Zoom classes at universities, at high schools, um, and it's it's a lot of the same questions. So yeah. this is like that chance to kind of just put it out there and um, and, and give some answers and some insight. And, mm. you know,
0: what, what does it run?
1: Uh, I think it's one hundred and twenty five bucks for the whole semester.
0: Oh, not bad at all that's a really yeah. good, good price.
1: Yeah, totally, totally doable. And again, yeah. it's cool. Like if you, you may get there on the circles and decide that you also want to check out cinematography or, um, you know, check out uh, producing or whatever. And so it's like, you could do two of them or, you know, and, and again, you get access to people that are really doing it in the industry. That's and it's, right. It's a cool little vibe. That's
0: right. That's the kind of thing I encourage young animators or filmmakers or anybody in the arts. There's an academic component that's helpful. But they, they need to be supplementing it with a professional workshops or something so that they're getting both sides of the equation in their education. And uh, I think this is a great opportunity for for students who.
1: Uh, thank you. Yeah. And you're 100 percent right. Like because it is I remember even coming out of film, you know, film school with UT. And, um, you know, I got out to L.A. and I was like, well, this is the way I was told it was supposed to go. So, <laughs> And then I sudden, I'm like reading other people's scripts. and I'm like, well, this format is off. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute they just sold the script for, you know, $200,000. Yeah. And I'm like looking at mine going, you're supposed to be like this. I was told everything was supposed to be like, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think, I think, and I think it's part of it is just kind of hearing like, hearing the war stories and like how, you know, how do you really, how does it really work, I guess yeah. is the question. Like right. you said, there's the academics of how it's supposed to work yep. in theory. And then there's the reality. And, then, and I think, so we're talking more of the reality.
0: Yeah. Got to get in the trenches, see what it's all about. And that's extremely helpful to be able to do that. Chris, I really appreciate the time you've given me to to tell me about your stories. It's just the inspiration of, of being able to work in this industry and do what you've done uh is, is so helpful. So I, I appreciate oh, your thanks, time bro. on this. Yeah.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me in any time, man. Yeah. Um, um... I, uh, I love to talk.
0: I'll talk all day. So uh, I, might take, I might take you up on that. <laughs>
1: just let me know and I'm back. I'm back at it. So. But thanks a lot, Great. Todd. I appreciate you having me on.
0: You can find out more about Aspire Circles in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. I hope this has been both inspiring and edifying. And if you wish to support the ministry and keep these podcasts going, you'll find information about how you can do that on our website at ministryofmotionpictures.org. What we do in life echoes in eternity.